We are uh, in a sermon series called End of the World as We Know It. I told uh, Mitchell Grantham, who's up here with me on stage today, give it up for Mitchell Grantham up here with me today. Now, y'all can admit it or not, early service wouldn't admit it, but I know you watch wrestling on TV. So we got tag team preaching today. I'm going to whip up on the devil a little bit. When I get tired, I'm going to hand it over to Mitchell. He's going to take over. Y'all good with that? All right. So I told, we're talking about signs of the times, end of the world as we know it. I told him it was the end of the world as I knew it the first time I saw the Honey Boo Boo television program because I knew right then Jesus has got to be coming soon. <laughs> Amen. Now, this is, I see people writing stuff down. Don't, that, don't write that down. That's just... Um, Mitchell Grantham has been coming to our church for, uh, I've been here 24 years. He's been here for about 23 uh, of those 24 years. Uh, very faithful, he and his family. And um, he's got grandchildren, so I'm jealous of him. And um, he is a blessing to our church. Now, when we talk about Mitchell, we're normally talking about sound and video and lights and all that stuff because he is the man over that whole area of our church, but he can do a lot more than media. Mitchell's an excellent Bible teacher and uh, has taught me a lot, and he is, I consider him an expert in the area of, y'all remember the big word? Who knows the big word? Somebody said eschatology. That's exactly right, eschatology. And as the study of the end times, and Mitchell knows it. He knows it. I know generally the picture. Mitchell knows uh, a lot more than that. He's going to share with us some stuff today. And we're going to really answer questions you guys ask. And I'm going to let him greet you, and then I'm going I'm to pop that first question on him. It's good to be here. It's a little out of my element. As Pastor Farrell said, I'm usually up in the starship, but it's good to see everybody here today. And wow, what questions. Uh, I think they just wrote a lot just trying to trick us up. Well, and uh, they did good for me. They, I'm glad you're here to clear it up. Number one, we ready? You ready? ready. Number one. Uh, again, some of these questions, the premise of the question uh, would be something we would not agree with but we're just going to ask them exactly the way they were written. Is it possible, and this, is, this question is not giving a premise, uh, it, it is a question. Is it possible that some people will not be raptured, and, and by this they're talking about Christians. Is it possible that some Christians, some believers in Jesus, some people who have received Jesus as their personal Savior, would not be raptured, and y'all remember what the rapture is, that's that catching away, the next big thing on God's calendar, uh, he's going to catch us away, take us to heaven. Um, let me just pause right here, We're, I'm diving off into this because I want to give us as much time as possible. If you're visiting today, um, this is a little bit different than the way we normally present our messages, but, and you're going to hear some things today that you may have never heard in church before. But uh, these things are scriptural. We hope you'll write down notes. You have a card there. If you'll notice, the card we gave you is totally blank. So you can just really write down whatever you want to write down, questions, scripture references. Also, and I failed to mention this in the early service, but Mitchell will send you his notes. So if you're like frustrated and I missed that scripture, and blah, blah, all you got to do is email me, email him, Mitchell Grantham 
at bridgechurch.cc, info at bridgechurch.cc. Just email us and say, I want the notes. I want Mitchell's notes from Sunday. He's also going to be here. We're going to do this again next week because we had a ton of questions from y'all. So any of his notes you want, he'll make them available to you. I'll make my sermon notes available to you as well. So that way you don't have to be so working so hard to get everything. Um, But uh, getting back to what I was saying, and that is that if you're here today and you're hearing something that you've never heard or, you know, we're kind of talking about the end times and it sounds like a bad movie or it sounds like a, a bad dream you had, Um, We hope what you'll do is write these scriptures down and look it up. Check us out. We're we're okay with that, aren't we, Mitchell? Mm -hmm. Check us out. Um, We don't ask you to swallow everything we say hook, line, and sinker. As a matter of fact, you shouldn't just check us out when we teach something. You should check all teachers out, all Bible teachers out, and make sure they're telling you uh, the truth. Some of this will be opinion because the Bible isn't explicitly clear about some things. So we'll give you some opinion and we'll tell you when it's our opinion. And Mitchell and I both want you to know when it comes to our opinion, we're very humble, but we're very accurate. Okay. <laughs> All right. Number one, it is impossible. Is it possible that some people will not be raptured? Some Christians will not be raptured, even though they're Christians simply left behind so they can lead others to Christ during the seven-year tribulation period that's right after the rapture. With that in mind, should some prepare for the seven-year tribulation period and not the rapture? Wow. Born-again believers, all Christians that have accepted Jesus Christ, have the blood of Jesus Christ applied to their sins, will go in the rapture. Everyone. Preparing for tribulation, preparing for the, set, the last seven-year tribulation period will be very difficult. Um, if, you, if you've been keeping up with the news, if you've been watching what's happening in northern Iraq and Syria, Mosul, and how ISIS is uh, slaughtering Christians, uh, going into villages and towns and um, just from door to door, knocking on doors, finding out if a Christian lives there, if they are marking that house with an Arabic letter N. Some of you may have seen it on Facebook. Different people are now using that as their um, profile uh, picture, which looks like an upside-down U with a one dot, kind of like a smiley face with one dot, which signifies that a Christian lived, did live here, or a Nazarene is, is what it actually signifies. Um, those people lost everything. They came to their door, they um, gave them an opportunity to convert to Islam or leave or pay a jitsia tax, which in essence is all they have, um, or die. Um, Those people, no matter what they had prepared for, it was all immediately taken away. Some of them were given the opportunity to leave in their cars and different road stops. They even took their cars, their passports, their... um, you know, their IDs and everything, lost everything they had. So preparing for tri- tribulation period, you may have a bunker, you may have arms, you may have food, um, but preparing for what Jesus and John and Daniel described is going to be very difficult to prepare for because how do you prepare for nuclear war? How do you prepare for famine? How do you prepare? I mean, you know, if, 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 a, if a hungry family from your neighborhood comes knocking on your door for food, what are you going to do? You're going to give it to them. So... Um, If you're a Christian, if you're born again, you're not going to be left behind. 
Born again terminology might be new to you as well. Uh, John chapter three, Nicodemus, a religious man, a very, very religious man, uh, proving to us that religion will not make you right with God. Amen. Uh, comes to Jesus and says, I want to go to heaven when I die. How do I, how do I inherit the kingdom of God? And Jesus says, you must experience a second birth. And that is the spiritual birth where you surrender your life to Christ and you give him your life, allow him, as Mitchell said, to apply his shed blood on the cross to wash your sins away. He comes to reside inside of you. At that moment, you have, you have experienced the new birth when you invite him into your life and you will not go through the tribulation. So if you're planning on going through the tribulation, I guess you can prepare the best you can. Mitchell says it ain't gonna help you very much. Here's how to prepare for the tribulation. Give your heart to Jesus. Give your heart to Jesus. And then that'll prepare you because you won't go through it. You won't be there. Okay? There are gonna be, there's, there's gonna be two witnesses, uh, Jewish, uh, that God's gonna send. Uh, one of them we know will be Elijah. Jesus said Elijah would return before that great day. Um, the other one will, I think, pro probably be Moses. Some believe Enoch, but Moses and Elijah were on the Mount Transfiguration with the disciples were the three that Jesus chose. But there's also going to be, as Pastor mentioned in a previous sermon, the 144,000 Jewish evangelists, 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes of Israel, and God's going to use them to evangelize the world and preach that the kingdom of God is at hand. And even Jesus said, when this gospel is preached unto all the world, the end will come. And many, many people will come to Christ exactly. during the tribulation period, but I think it's important, and, and I know you do this, and, and we did it last time, to clarify that, that people who, who and, and you mentioned this, and I, and I want you to talk about it, who have heard the gospel, looked God in the eye, and said, no, I love my sin, I love the pleasures of my sin, uh, that those will be the first people in the tribulation to accept the lie of Antichrist. Yeah. Paul said um, those that have pled, that they had an opportunity to uh, give their life to Jesus, but they had, their, they had pleasure in unrighteousness. They loved their sin more than they loved uh, Jesus. Uh, Paul said, for this cause God will send them a strong delusion. They'll be, believe the lie that the Antichrist is presenting. They'll believe the lie and will be damned. Mm. So, um, you know, again, stuff we, uh, you know, a lot of people, they, they just want to come to church and, and, you know, everything's powder puff and we just kind of go, all go home. I feel good. You feel good. We feel good about each other. Um, you know, that really doesn't help anybody. Uh, what we need is truth. We need truth in these last days. And, and that's what we want to share um, with you up here today. Now, I talked about in my sermons that I did the 70 weeks of Daniel. We went to the Old Testament because a lot of people are like, wait, time out. The end times are in the Old Testament. The matter of fact, all the prophets talked about the end times and Daniel especially talked about it. And I mentioned 70 weeks. Mitchell is gonna kind of go into detail a little bit about the 70 weeks of Daniel and the 70th week. Uh, about that. Talk about that a little bit. Um, in Daniel, if you're taking notes, Daniel chapter 9, verse 24 through 27, it talks about <clears throat> 70 sevens or 70 Shabuas are determined upon my people, the Jews, uh, God talking to Daniel. Um, a Shabuah or a week is actually a seven-year period. So you've got seven times 70. You've got 490 years that God said is determined upon my people, the Jews. 
that's going to bring an end to everything, uh, God says. Reconciliation, all sin's going to be done away with. Everything's going to, it's, it's going to bring, an, the Messiah's going to be cut off. Everything's going to take place in that 490-year period. Um, from, uh, from, the going, from, from the decree from, to Nehemiah to go rebuild the wall and rebuild the city and the temple, um, from, that, from that decree until Messiah was cut off was 69 weeks or 483 years. Um, it even, uh, and briefly, it, it even talks about it in Luke chapter 19 where Jesus said, you missed it. You missed my big day. Here I am, I'm riding in, I'm your Messiah, and you're missing it. And because you missed it, because I held you accountable to no prophecy, and you didn't know it, because of that, the, uh, Jerusalem is going to be trodden down into the Gentiles in 70 A.D., which we all know took place when Roman and Titus and his armies destroyed the temple, and, and not one stone was left upon the other. It may sound a little bit confusing there, but basically what it is between verse 26 and verse 27, there's a gap. We know 69 weeks have taken place. God says there's going to be a seven more, a seven year period or one Shabuah left where uh, judgment is going, to be, is going to come upon the Jews. Um, that will be the, uh, the final seven weeks. That'll be the final tribulation period. And God said what signals that final seven year period to start in, chat, in verse 27 is the Antichrist or that, that man, the man of sin, will sign a peace treaty or confirm a peace treaty um, with many for one week. Um, so 69 weeks have transpired. Messiah was cut off. Uh, the people of the prince that shall come uh, talks about the Romans and the, the Byzantine Empire. Pastor Farrell preached about the... Um, the image that Daniel saw, he saw the head of gold, uh, Babylon. He saw the chest and bre breastplate of uh, silver uh, representing Persia. He saw the, the loins of, uh, you know, and the thighs of brass representing um, Grecian. He saw the legs, which was actually an eastern and a western leg, representing Rome and the Byzantine Empire. And he saw the ten toes mingle with clay, where all this is going to be kind of revived back up. So actually when Rome fell, the Byzantine Empire, or the Eastern Leg, lasted a thousand years longer, and it's really significant because it it, it kind of it's, it's going to tie into a couple more of the questions that we that you know come up in a second. So, God hasn't finished with the Jews. Um, the seven-year period, that last seven years, is is going to take place. Um, what primarily, if somebody asks you, and this is I'm throwing you a little curve here. If primarily somebody asks you this question, primarily, what is the purpose of the of the tribulation period? How would you answer that? What is that main reason for the tribulation period? It's because of it's because of the Jews they're they're being judged there. I mean, yeah. they're going to actually. Um, there's many Messianic Jews today, and many are coming to the, to the Lord. And but they're actually and that that remnant that they're going to realize during that tribulation period that hey this. We're going to, they're actually going to call for the Messiah during this final mm -hmm. battle to, to return and save them. And Jesus said, and as we said earlier, um, Jesus himself said, if, the, if, if he didn't shorten the days, there would no flesh be saved. So it's going to be a terrible time. Um, so really, the tribulation period is an act of judgment because of the Jews rejected Christ as Messiah, but it's also a huge act of mercy, isn't it? It is. Because many of them are going to come to... No Absolutely. And what started the whole thing in Leviticus, God told, God told the Jews, I want you to plow the land for six years. And then on the seventh year, I want you to let it rest and don't plow. 
And they wouldn't do that. They wanted to do their own way. And for 490 years, they plowed the land straight, didn't let it rest. And God told them, said, you owe me 490 years. And he's, he's going to get it. Mm. Um, so the, so the Daniel, Daniel 70th, or Daniel 70 weeks, there are weeks of years. Because I know people are hearing week, and then you say a year. And so it's weeks of years. So the 70th week... Each day represents a year, so, so that's important if you don't understand. It's that. actually split, as you mentioned last week, I think it was. It's split into 42 months, the first half, 42 months, the second half, or 1,260 days each half. And when the uh, Antichrist moves into uh, Israel, uh, causes the abomination of desolation, and pretty much makes the Jews stop worshiping and stop sacrificing. And uh, Jesus said, when you see this happen... You need to get out of Dodge. You need to go because then will come great tribulation like has never been before nor never will be again. So the next question uh, talks about some of the characters of that 70th week, the tribulation period, some of the names, the great dragon. You know, we read that and we read about the Antichrist, false prophet, the beast. I think when you're, when you're an average person who doesn't, know very much about the Bible, reads these things, they're like, oh, come on, get off, you know. But these are symbolic uh, uh, pictures of actual characters, uh, humans who will be here, or they'll be in human form, who will be here during the tribulation period. Talk about some of these characters, who they are. Okay, in Revelation 13, uh, John sees the beast. He sees the beast system, um, and it has seven heads. Now, here's where a lot of the um, Western interpretation comes from that it has to be Rome is because Rome is on seven hills. But what, what uh, Daniel or what John is actually seeing, he's seeing the seven empires. He's seeing the Egyptian, the Assyrian, the uh, Babylonian, the Medes, the Persians, the Grecian, the Roman, and the Byzantine Empire. He's seeing these seven heads, and there, he also sees the ten horns, uh, if you add in the, uh, the, the generals from uh, Alexander the Great, when, he, you know, when, he, when it fell, um, you can see the ten leaders. Um, and then he goes on, he gets a little bit more in detail, and he says, what the beast he saw, um, you know, here, here's, what's, here's what's really amazing. God told Daniel to seal up the book until the time of the end. But he tells John to eat the book. And when John eats the book, he kind of understands and he kind of sees what was hidden from Daniel. Daniel could only describe a few beasts, but John saw exactly what was transpiring. And he sees it like a leopard, leopard representing Turkey. He sees it like a bear repre representing Iran. And he sees it like a lion representing Iraq. Uh, and then he sees that one of the heads looked like, as we talked you know, earlier, one of the heads looked like it was wounded unto death. And it, we know that the uh, Byzantine Empire and the Ottoman Empire was wounded unto death in 1924. But in 1928, the Muslim Brotherhood, uh, they started the Muslim Brotherhood and said, we will develop, and we'll use this word here now, the caliphate. Um, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be revived and it's going to come back to life. And John sees that. So... Basically, Satan here is setting up the, the good to be bad and the bad to be good. So John is seeing the beast, and if we're looking at it like an Islamic prophecy, I, I, I was telling you, you know, I, when I was on the road, I had a lot of customers that were Muslim, and a lot of, a lot of them were really religious. 
And I would come to them and I would ask them certain things. And I said, now, tell me what, what does your last days look like? And they told me, said, the first thing, there's going to come a Mahdi or a Mahdi and he's going to be called the 12th Imam. You may have heard that phrase. There's going to be a, Jesus is going to return. He's going to explain that he was chastised when he went back to heaven, that God told him, said, you're not my son. And Jesus is going to return and he's going to say, I'm a Muslim. And I know this sounds crazy. I, I was like, are you really? Re-? He said, yeah. I, he, and in fact, one of the guys, I called him Smiley because he was always smiling all the time. And he was really devout. And he said, he said Mitchell, you're going to have a chance to convert. He said, but if you don't convert, you're going to be killed. Doesn't it sound like the truth? I mean, it's just the bad to be good and the good to be bad. So basically, the dragon is Satan. The, the dragon is Lucifer. The Antichrist um, is a false Christ or a pseudo-Christ, or in the place of Christ, um, instead of Christ. The Muslim Mahdi is the Antichrist, in my opinion, the 12th Imam. The false prophet here, they, uh, Islamic writings say will be Jesus or ISIS, um, and he's going to do miracles. He's going to cause fire to come down from heaven where people are going to, you know, flock to him, and he's going he's to point to the Antichrist or, first, or to the first beast. The other phrase, I think, was harlot of Babylon, uh, that's Arabia. Arabia is going to be destroyed. We'll talk about that in a couple minutes. And the great whore is Islam, um, where you have to convert or die. There are now worldwide over 2 billion Muslims, and it's growing just leaps and bounds. Um, so you kind of see where the reversal of um, our Antichrist is bad. The Muslim Mahdi is good. Our false prophet is bad. The Muslim Mahdi is good. You kind of see the difference there. So, yeah. Um, so, so then, you know, when we talk about the characters, we talk about the tribulation period. Again, I want to make it explicitly clear that if you have received Christ prior to the rapture, you're not going to be in any of this. You're going to be in heaven, okay? So it's really important that you understand that. But those who are left behind, of course, we hear about the mark of the beast. There's a lot of talk. You know, it's a microchip. It's going to be something under the skin. Uh, it's going to be one war. It's going to be a total worldwide domination. What's your perspective on that? Okay, you ask uh, 10 different prophecy teachers what their interpretation or translation is, and you'll get 11 answers. So... <laughs> Uh, here's mine. No microchip and no one world order. Um, the mark of the beast, everybody's heard the term 666. The mark of the beast is actually the name of the beast, which is blasphemy. Anti-Yahweh, anti-Christ, anti-cross, anti-Trinity. The mark is a symbol. The mark, the act, the mark is, his, is his name, the image of the beast. The mark is an indicator of allegiance and submission to the beast, a symbol or an identifying mark of the coming beast kingdom. Uh, Revelation 14 and 9, it's not something you might accidentally receive. The mark of the beast, you have to embrace it. You have, it's an outward indicator of an inward allegiance. Um, you know, a microchip, as I said earlier at the first service, a microchip may not really be that bad if you think about it. And don't start throwing stuff at me, but, you know, all you guys are carrying credit cards probably. So a microchip in the, in the hand or in the forehead, um, 
to buy or sell, to just go scan to buy this water, I have to scan it. That's, that's not what John's talking about. John's talking about to accept the mark of the beast, you have to deny Christ. Is everybody, you know, I hope you see that. You have to deny Christ to, when you take the mark of the beast. Um, I want to bring up a, a slide, the first uh, symbol here. This is, actually, this is actually what John saw. This is from 350 A.D. This is, this is the Greek. Um, the three Greek symbols here, what was really in translator interpreted as Greek was chi, psi, stigma, or 666 or 666. I was reading it. Some other translations have this as 616 or 616. Um, so, but, but bring up the next slide. If you look at the next slide, the bottom is, is the slide you just saw, the Greek number, 666. But if you look at the top slide, uh, it's Arabic. If you look at it from the Arabic, you read right to left. So look at the top right word, or that top right symbol, and that top right symbol is bisma. And then that center symbol, which looks like a snake with a line over the top of it, uh, is the name Allah in Greek. That symbol is sometimes vertical. That symbol is sometimes horizontal. And then you have the, the cross swords uh, representing the, uh, that's the creed or that's the, uh, that's the, the symbols that are on the Islamic flag, etc. So um, if you look at it, at what John saw, um, you know, we could, take the, we could take the mark of the beast and say, well, it's a number, it's a number of a man, and his number is 666. We could take, well, let's take Hillary Clinton. Let's take her name and let's look at it and let's get, get into gematria and, and say, well, the H stands for this and, and go through it and say, well, Hillary, Hillary Clinton's got to be the beast. God's not into gematria. Um, it's an allegiance. If you look at it from right to left, it says, Bismillah or in the name of Allah. Now go to the next slide. Look at this. I mean, this is what possibly John is seeing. He's seeing on the forehead, he's saying we're sold out. We committed our life to, to Islam. We're committed our life to the beast. Go to the next slide. We're committing our life to this cause. Go to the next slide. And no matter what it takes, we are denouncing Christ and we are denouncing that the beast is the Messiah. Um... So you have to accept the mark of the beast and you must, to, to accept the mark of the beast, I should say, you have to deny Christ. Um, John 1, 2, 1 John uh, chapter 2, verse 22 tells us who the Antichrist is. John describes him for us. He said, the one that says there is no father, son, and spirit, he is Antichrist. And that is the Islamic creed. There is no God but Allah. Muhammad is his messenger. God cannot have a son. God would not have a son. Um, so John pretty much explains it. And all nations, of the, the second part of that question, is there going to be a one world order? All nations are not going to follow the Antichrist. We'll talk about that a little bit later in the second part of the question. You know, that is, uh, that is um, something that, that clears up so much for me personally because I grew up, you know, um, with that classical view, I, I myself as of well, the, of the you know, the, and have taught it. And how many movies have we seen, you know, where they raise the hairline and there's the number six six six, you know, and and you kind of get that, but it's a conversion. That that's what the mark is. I have converted to this false 
system to this false God and this false system. So it's not something like, yeah, if I got to feed my kids, yeah, give me, do whatever you got to do. That's not a conversion. That's doing whatever you got to do to feed. But when you, but to have that, you have to make a genuine conversion, Absolutely. renounce Christ and make a genuine conversion to the, to the false antichrist. I was in one of my customers' stores uh, and I overheard a customer that was at the counter talking to the Muslim, and she, say, she was saying, I just converted to Islam. I used to be a Christian, but I just converted to Islam. She was making it light, and I, and I you know me, I had to get involved. So, <laughs> I, you know, I said, you said you were just a Christian? She said, yes. I said, well, let me ask you a question. I said, how did you feel when you told Jesus Christ he was no longer the Son of God? And she looked, and she kind of stepped back. She said, oh, no, no, no. I, I said, no. I said, you just told him that you converted to Islam. I said, you, got, you can't good, but do both. You've got to either be for God or against God. And she said, well, I hadn't really fully. So, you know, she was kind of backtracking. So to convert, you have to deny that there is no God. You have to deny it. Wow. Uh, that makes it a, um, that just gives power to that whole act, that whole decision and and, and you know, that's an eternal decision. I mean, once that decision's made, it's, it's locked in. It is. You know, and see, during the tribulation, and John saw it, he saw under the altars all those that would not take the mark because they're going to be slaughtered. Mm. Um, and I know this is a little bit off track, a little bit different what we did. The 144,000... So at the beginning of tribulation, do they realize quickly uh, at the beginning of tribulation or somewhere during the, at the middle when he rises up, at, when the Antichrist rises up against the Jewish people, reveals himself, do they then realize and that 144,000 come to Christ themselves and then become evangelists? How does that? I'm not really sure how, you know, I can speculate on how God's going to prepare them. You know, he may be preparing them now. I'm, right. You know, right. I don't know. Okay. I do know that the two witnesses will be killed and lay in the streets for all the world to see right. for three days and then they'll be raptured. Mm -hmm. But as far as the 144,000, really not clear on how, how all that will transpire. And that causes huge conversion, commitment to Christ when they see that resurrection. Yeah, well see, not only that, the Muslims or, or the, the beast system at that time when, the, when those, two, those two witnesses, uh, while God's hand on them, they're, they're attempts after attempt, no doubt, that to try to kill them, but God's not finished with them, so they don't die. But once they do die, the, the beast system is so happy, they, it's almost like Christmas. They give gifts to each other. Wow. I mean, they just celebrate. And then three days later, they, they come rise. back to yep. life. Um, I kind of like to see that, but not really. No, but anyway. Um, <laughs> number five. Um, Talk about, um, well, you did, how the mark of the beast fits into the end of the world. Is there any more you want to say about that? Or you know, like I said, uh, you know, he sees a symbol. No one can buy or sell. Uh, you know, I, I gave the illustration of Mo Mo Mosul, Iraq, and in Syria now. And, and you know, this may be, if, if you're not really keeping, the mainstream media doesn't show all the killings and beheadings. And, you know, I've got a separate file on it. I don't, I don't like watching this stuff myself, but, I mean, it's just, Daily, just Christians beheaded and ju just shot, and just—I mean, it's just—it's—it's it's terrible. What but they what, show, everything Israel does. Yeah, they yeah. Show um, Israel does. But you know, you're just denying that Jesus is the Son of God, and and when you and once you do that, um, um, your 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 doom is sealed, and you're 
Um, John said, the smoke of your torment will arise forever and ever. Um, you know. Yeah. All right, number six. Uh, this is uh, related to the United States and people talking about, to me about this between services today. Eventually, and this is a premise now, the person who wrote this uh, is giving us a premise. The first thing, as Mitchell has pointed out, is not a question, it's a statement of a belief that we don't necessarily hold this belief. Eventually, the United States will deny Israel. Uh, Mitchell will address that. When America, based on that premise, turns her back on Israel, will Christians in the military be cursed if they're used against God's chosen people in the battles? And so? Yeah, kind of a statement question. Uh, this will kind of answer <clears throat> question four as well. The last part of that, is there gonna be a one world order? Um, we talked earlier about the Abrahamic covenant where God, I mean, God just, you know, he chooses Abraham, a man that can't have a son and then does and just miraculously just chooses him and says and blesses him just abundantly. And God says, um, you know, as long as there's a star in the sky, there's going to be, your, your seed is going to be around. And, and I'm going to bless those that bless you. Uh, and I'm going to curse those that curse you. Um, and talking about America, um, you know, we don't want to get political, and, and that's not our desire to get, up, you know, get political. Um, but America, under, under previous administrations and this current administration, we're currently cursing Israel. And how we're doing that, um, you know, if you've been keeping up with the news with Hamas in Gaza and the PLO in Gaza and how Gaza's, Hamas is launching missiles toward, um, toward Israel, daily thousands of missiles per year or rockets, um, funding them to do that, to build tunnels and to buy rockets, and they're naturally being funded by Iran. Um, and in those, on the same token, we're telling Israel, you need to give up land uh, for peace. You need to give up land for peace. You've got to quit doing settlements. And every time it seems we do this, something happens in America that's, that's really not good. It's almost like a judgment comes our way. Um, George W. Bush told Ariel Sharon when he was prime minister um, that, um, you know, you need to give up Gaza. You need to give, which, is, which was Israel's land. You need to give up Ga the Gaza Strip for peace. And they pretty much, uh, some of the last settlers, Jewish settlers that were in there, Ariel Sharon sent in his troops and actually forcibly made them leave. Um, and, and everybody that's keeping up with the news has seen what has happened, how, how that, um, it's just, I mean, 80%, 60 to 80% of Israel daily going into bomb shelters. I mean, we haven't heard a bomb, bomb siren today where we've had to run out and you've got 15 seconds to get into a bomb shelter. But that's what they're living under. And they're living under that because we, as America, will not call up Benjamin Netanyahu and say, hey guys, listen, here's what we want to do. We want to back you and we want to stand with you and we're going to tell the PLO, the Palestinians and Hamas, you've got 30 days to quit it. If you haven't quit in 30 days, we don't, we're not going to tell you what's going to happen. Um, that's what I say, do. Yeah, yeah. Um, because what we're doing, and I thought you pointed it out so earlier in one of our other services, uh, how we are, we are paying, but we're giving money to both sides. Absolutely. And not only that, we're funding Israel, the Is Israeli, I mean, we're funding the Syrian rebels to try to overthrow Bashar Assad. 
And those same rebels are the same group in ISIS where we're fighting against them. We're funding Syria and we're fighting against them in Iraq. Because we think riches and money, we're going to buy peace. And, uh, and I appreciate the fact that, you know, you, you have pointed out that it's not Democrats versus Republicans. They've all done. No, absolutely. They've all done. And see, not only that, we, everybody's probably heard of the Arab Spring where, you know, uh, Tanzania fell, Libya fell, Syria's on the border of falling, Iraq fell, Egypt, all part of the Ottoman, Ottoman Empire here that fell. And we're, we're, uh, we all have been a part of that because mm -hmm. we're Americans. And because you know, the administrations are funding and stopping. See, if we get, say, say this administration is successful and we get them to overthrow Assad in Syria and they're right to the north in between Turkey and Israel, what's going to replace it? Mm. Just like when we got Saddam Hussein. Look who, look who replaced him. Yeah. Look who replaced Gaddafi in Libya. Look who's, we're getting all these you know, dictators to fall. And, we're, and, and I mean... It's just, I mean, it's almost like, um, you know, just do what you want to do. You know, start, you know, let terrorism go. Yeah. Just let it run rampant. Because it's become politically incorrect to take a solid stand in one position. Absolutely. And, and uh, you know, you're immediately called names and all of that when you take a stand in an area. Not just individually, but as a nation. And so... Uh, it, you know, and I love, and, and Mitchell and I, we're red-blooded, flag-waving American patriots. We love this country. But um, very poor decisions have been made when it comes to trying to satisfy everybody and make everybody happy and think that if we can write a check big enough for everybody, they're all going to love yes, us yeah. and they're all going to love each yeah. other. It just isn't going to happen, gonna happen. obviously. It's not going to happen. John saw it. It's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. It's going to come to pass. And you think about it, guys. You, you and I, we're the salt and light of America. Once we're gone, I mean, hey, what, who knows what's going to happen? America in the future, and another part of that question, uh, may very well be a nation that comes against the Antichrist. Um, as the Antichrist pushes on Israel to destroy Israel and all the Jews and all the Christians and all the infidels, um, Daniel 11, if, you want, if you're taking notes, Daniel 11, 38 and 39, talks about the Antichrist actually declares war on the strongest of forces. And that's us. Currently, America is the strongest of forces. Now, a couple years from now, we may not be. We're, we're downsizing, downsizing. I, you know, who knows? I don't know, but, but currently we are. Also, nations that come against the Antichrist in Ezekiel 28, 28 and verse 7, the strongest nations in the world are going to come against the Antichrist. So it's not going to be a one-world order where all the world is going to back the Antichrist and say, hey, we're with him. God in Micah raises up seven, um, seven leaders and eight princely men to come against him. So uh, it's, it's going to be a lot of bloodshed, and John saw it. Uh, which brings us to number seven, and that is that battle of Armageddon that you're talking about. What is that battle? Um, and, you know, he's asking here what, or she is asking what nations will be involved in that battle. Um, in northern Israel, which is also described Jezreel or the Valley of Megiddo is that, is that place that is talked about in the Hebrew tongue, Armageddon. Um, when Napoleon visited that area in 1800, he said, wow, 
this would be such an awesome place for all the armies of the world to end, for everything to finish, this final battleground for the world's armies. Um, the end of this battle will usher in the second coming of Jesus to, to earth. No one knows the total length of this battle. Um, it may be a few hours, maybe a few days, maybe a few, few weeks, a year or two. Uh, but we do know by John's writings it'll be at the end of the seven-year tribulation period. Um, and all nations will be there. Those that are for the Antichrist and those that are against the Antichrist, as we talked about earlier, will be there. Revelation 16, the kings of the earth um, and the whole earth or, or the whole world is involved. Um, some of the nations that the Bible talks about specifically that will be there is Babylon, all the Muslim uh, caliphate nations that are involved there, um, all the major players that are drunk with the blood of the saints. These nations are named. Egypt, Syria, Babylon, Iraq, Iran, Persia, Greek, Turkey, Lydia. Um, just, you know, it just names them all. And I've got the scriptures for the sake of time if you want to know, uh, to know those. But all those nations that are named are Muslim nations. Isn't that amazing? I don't think, uh, you know, <clears throat> I know you do. I, uh, I don't remember growing up and when I was in Bible college it being talked about that that religion, I think even my, my um, um, professors, who I still have tremendous respect for, but there wasn't this uprising of Islam right. then, and they didn't see it, so they were even naming other religious systems, but it has just been so apparent now that that religion is so anti-Christ and what I mean, what we're seeing it was on the news this morning. I turned my television on; it's brand new. It's like breaking news. Um, in northern Iraq, three hundred people just slaughtered yesterday because they would not um, convert to Islam. They would not, and so that is a glimpse. I think it's a glimpse, and I think the fact that we're seeing it right now, really, in a way we've never seen it before. Yep, now, it may have been going on, but it was not being reported the way it's being reported now. The fact that that's being reported so much now and so clear to me is God saying again, it's coming. That is a just a foretaste of tribulation for you to, because a lot of people read about tribulation and hear you talk about tribulation and they go, man, that ain't gonna happen, that's crazy. It's happening now. I'm not saying we're in tribulation, but I mean the things that are gonna happen in tribulation, we're seeing it, we're seeing it beginning to be all over the world. Just, I think God's saying to us, oh yes, it can happen. Absolutely. And so wake up. You know, he, we're not gonna go through that day, the day of the Lord, right, but right. you tell a Christian in Mosul today, it's up on the mountain with nothing to eat or nothing to drink. Some of them, some of the reports you may have read were uh, 30,000, you know, up to numbers of 30,000 with no food or no drink, no, nothing to, no water. And parents were actually cutting their wrists and letting their children drink the blood of thirst. And th some of them parents throwing their, throwing their children off the mountains because they didn't want the ISIS to um, rape them or kill them or murder them. And see, guys, you tell them they're not going to go, that's tribulation for them. But we in the West, we, we need to wake up and we need to realize that, hey, this thing's coming to an end. Now that kind of, that kind of uh, <clears throat> religious system where we're, gonna, we're not only going to just um, kill you if you don't convert, but we're going to, we're going to torture, we're going to rape, we're going to mutilate, we're going to 
It's demonic. It's demonic. It has to be backed because man, apart from that energy, apart from that power, demonic power, would not... And I know our flesh and our natural... But that's empowered by something beyond yeah. our human satanic. carnality. It's like satanic. a ritual. A guy sent me a video, and here again, this isn't to scare anybody, but they took eight Christians in Syria, and he showed them they had them bound on their knees. And just because they were Christian, all because they wouldn't convert to Islam, and there was like probably 15 gunmen behind them, and they, they wouldn't just shoot them once in the back. I mean, just constant. I mean, it was just like... I mean, it's like the crazy. hatred, the, the hatred, hatred yeah. Jesus. I'll, you know, and Jesus said, "If you love me, they will hate you." And 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 you know, that's just a picture of. I mean, we think, you know, when I preach that, and we think that it's like, so we're going to get a little persecution. Somebody's going to laugh at us because we're Christian, and yeah. they're going to make some derogatory remark. That's not even persecution. We don't know yeah. when you see what Absolutely. these people are going through today, not future, but right now. So so. <clears throat> To make this relevant again, if you're sitting here today, um, because people bristle when we teach like this, it makes people mad. I mean, there have been people mad about our billboard saying end of the world as we know it. We've gotten emails saying you just want money. The reason you're preaching on this is because you want to control people. Absolutely. Listen, we just want you to know what God said. You, you take what we're teaching and you go check it out. You do your own deal. Hey, you know what I do? Fall on your face before God and go, is Pharaoh Hardison and Mitchell Grantham lying to me? Because that's what, that's the reaction you get from the secular world we live in. That's crazy what you are talking about. That's ridiculous. And it's happening now, today. Um, so, you know, and it goes on, Ezekiel 38 and 39, you covered some of that. Um, from Yemen to Saudi Arabia, Syria, they're all Muslim. This is going to be that final battle where Jesus is going to return or there would no flesh be saved. Um, the armies of heaven and the saints return to defeat the dragon, to defeat the Antichrist and to defeat the false prophet. The Antichrist and the false prophet are cast into the lake of fire as Pastor Farrell preached, I think it was last week. Um, Satan or Lucifer will be cast into the bottomless pit for a thousand years. Um, and, then that, and then Jesus is, get this now, Jesus is going to set up that last day that seventh day, that thousand-year millennial reign. Second Peter talks about a day with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. From Jesus, or I should say from Adam, from creation until Abraham was 2,000 years. Abraham to Christ was 2,000 years. From Christ to now is about 2,000 years, representing 6,000 years of creation, and we're fixing to rest a thousand years after this final battle. I mean, to me, that right there just shows how near we are. To that time. Yep. Go, go through that timeline again. From, the, from, from creation to Abraham, 2,000. From Abraham to Christ, 2,000. 2000. And from Christ to now is about 2,000. Yep. And, and so we're on it. We're on we're it. Right there. Yep. And naturally, we're not, you know, we're on our, um, I think it's Gregorian calendar. Naturally, God cha- God's calendar is 360 days. Um, they go by a lunar cycle, um, but, you know, not getting into all that. And but we're not naming a date up here. No, we would never do that, but we're just telling you. And the reason we're doing this series, guys, is because we see what's going on in the world, and we prayed as a staff, and we just felt like we needed to address this. We love you. We love you. And, uh, you know, people who love you are going to tell you the truth. 
and that's why we're doing this series. And another part of that question. Thank you. Um, another part of that question about, you know, the nations that are involved, um, the harlot of Babylon, which will be Arabia. God talks about Sheba and Dedan, um, where um, the nations are actually drunk with the wine or the oil of, uh, of Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia uh, scripturally will be destroyed. Saudi Arabia will burn with a fervent heat. And he even talks about who's going to destroy Saudi Arabia. Iran or Elam is going to destroy Saudi Arabia. So it looks like Saudi Arabia is going to get nuclear weapons. We're, in, we're not doing anything to stop it, so it looks like, looks like they're going to get it. I've often wondered, you know, with, um, with Saudi Arabia just below Israel, if Iran is launching missile, if, if Iran launches nuclear toward Israel, Israel intercepts it and it causes it to detonate over Saudi Arabia. And they reap, you know, I don't know how God's going to do it, but it talks about the dirt will burn as pitch or the oil will actually burn uh, and nations will mourn from afar off because where are we going to get our oil, you know? Um, so Iran is going to go nuclear. Zechariah 9 confirms the final battle with Israel and Turkey. Um, Messiah is going to lead an army in that direction in verse 14, and he's going to defeat uh, Turkey there, and Turkey's in Asia Minor. I mean, just, just so many scriptures that, this, that the Bible gives us of that final day, that final seven-year tribulation period. Um, talks about all the seven churches of Asia Minor, which were located in Turkey. Uh, John even said the, the seat of Satan was in Pergamos. So I'm, I'm thinking that, you know, this is me. You'll dis, you know, many may disagree. I think the Antichrist is going to come out of Turkey. Um, we talked earlier about Erdogan has just been, uh, Prime Minister there has been elected president there for two terms, I think five years each. So watch Turkey. Watch Turkey. So the greatest sign, the next question was the greatest sign to signal Jesus' return. What do we need to be looking for as Christians? You know, Paul said we aren't in darkness, as some men are. Because we're in light, we're gonna, um, that day would not overtake us as a thief. Um, Jesus said, if you know when the thief's coming, you'll be there. Um, you'll have something for him. You'll be ready for him. But um, Paul said that, that day, the day of the Lord, that seven-year tribulation period will not overtake us as a thief. I think one of the greatest signals of our lifetime, um, this generation, is... The rebirth of Israel, Israel becoming a nation in May 1948. Yes. Um, Jesus said, when you see all, the disciples ask him, when, on the Mount of Olives, they ask him, when shall these things be? What shall be the sign of your coming and of the end of the world or the end of the age? And Jesus goes into the earthquakes, the wars, the rumors of wars, the terrorism, men's hearts failing them for terror. He goes into pestilence, famine. He goes through all that. And then he says, learn a parable of the fig tree. You know that when the fig tree blooms, you know that summer's near. He says, likewise, when you see all these things happening simultaneously, the fig tree, trees bloom, Israel's back at her land, this generation is it. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will not pass away. It's going to happen. Amen. Amen. Aren't we blessed to have Mitchell as part of our... Amen. So number nine, and uh, we might as well just tick everybody off right before they leave. So, I'm going to let you do this one. Okay. <laughs> number nine is America's current political state, including uh, the acceptance of gay marriage. This person put this one cultural thing in there. Thank you. 
uh, fulfillment of prophecy? My answer to that is yes. I think these are signs of the times. I think Paul was very clear about that when he talked to Titus, when he wrote to Timothy. He wrote about the last days. He said, in the last days you will see these things, uh, rebellion of children against parents, no honoring of parents, no obedience of parents. It's right there, kiddos, right there with all the other horrible things we're seeing it today. Um, uh, unnatural affections, you can call that whatever you want to. And listen, I, I fully understand, it is not politically correct to call things sin, that the Bible calls sin. But I'm just saying to you, I would be a fool to, to sit up here and, and, and cover that, candy coat that. These things that we see happening in our culture that in my lifetime, and I'm young, <laughs> in my lifetime, I remember when everybody looked at it, whether they went to church, knew Jesus, read their Bible, they looked at stuff and went, that ain't right right there. But now we have been, we have been saturated in to the point that we now, even some of us who grew up when it was like that, we're afraid that, well, you know, I, I can tell you, it is sin. It is sin and it is a sign of the coming. What we see happening in our culture is a, is a sign of the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I, and I, I want to say this with all humility. If that makes somebody mad here today and you go, I ain't never going to that church again, I'm going to be praying for you because that is nothing in the world but the truth of the Word of God right there. And... Uh, I am, I am not, and I know he's not, because he's not, <laughs> but I am not going to get hemmed in by political correctness and a permissive culture so that I can't stand in this church and preach the unadulterated word of the living God. I am not going to let that happen. We're going to preach the truth in this house. Amen. Now, when we talk about when we talk about people dying without Jesus and going to hell, we're not going to be happy about it. I've been in churches where they preach that and they seem kind of happy. When we preach it here, we're going to cry. We're going to cry. Tears are going to flow down our face because we don't want you to go there, but we are going to tell you that's what's going to happen if you don't get things right with God. We're going to preach that to you. We're going to tell you that. We're gonna, you know, I told you a couple of weeks ago the reason we're so nice to all of y'all out there in the hallways and the foyers because when we get you in here, we're going to offend you with the gospel. The gospel is offensive. The gospel is counter to your carnal nature. It's counter to mine. I don't want to hear it either. I can read the Bible and go, boy, as long as I'm reading stuff that I've got checked off in the Bible, but when I read something I don't have mastered yet, it, I'm like, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to, I'm just like you. But we've got to have it. We've got to have the truth. It is what makes us right with God when we hear the truth and we respond in faith to the truth of God's word. It makes us right with God and it makes us ready to meet God. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you for Mitchell and thank you for the truth. and Thank you for a congregation who when I tell them I'm, I'm going to preach the word of God without watering it down, they applaud. I it's a rare thing in the world we live in that, that, to have a church like that. I'm blessed. I'm honored to have a church like that. 
But when I think about people being left behind, and when I think about people going through the tribulation, I weep, I cry. When I think about those people up on that mountain right now, today, and killing their own children and living in conditions I can't even imagine. I weep. God, I pray if there's a man here who doesn't know you today that he will stop rebelling and he will follow you and lead his family and lead his children to follow. If there's a woman here today who is not following you that, that she will give her life to you and lead her children lead her home and lead her family to follow you. If there's somebody here today, a teenager, a young person, I gave my heart to you when I was very, very young, and, and Lord, it's the reason I'm standing up here today, and so I don't want anybody to think they're left out. Young person, teenager, middle schooler, whoever, right now, right there where you are, just say, Jesus, I want you to rule in my life. You died on the cross for my sins. You rose from the dead. And you did it to give me life. And Lord Jesus, I turn the reins, the steering wheel, the controls of my life right now over to you. I want to live for you. And when the rapture happens, I want to be caught up to meet you in the air. And I want to influence everybody I can to come with me. Right there where you are, just ask Jesus to come into your life and to wash your sins away with his precious blood and ask him to adopt you. Lord, I want to be adopted. I don't want to be an orphan anymore. I don't want to follow the ways of the enemy anymore. I want you to adopt me. I want to be yours. I want to be yours, Lord. In Jesus' name, everybody said,